This episode brought to you by Superhero Fatigue. Welcome to the Screen Test Podcast. I am Chaz, and back with me is my co-host, the shoveler to my blue Raja, Aaron Milton. I, uh, so I, am I, am I the shoveler in that scenario? Yes. Okay, I was hoping to be the spleen, but that's fine. I will, I will take that. I will be the shoveler. Okay, well, I mean, those are just the first two characters we're going to introduce these people to, so those are the ones I threw in the, you can be the spleen to my invisible boy. Okay, that's much better. That's much better. I can deal with that one. All right, well, after a summer hiatus where I just drowned myself in all kinds of work and Aaron frolicked in the trash-filled beaches of New Jersey, um, we're back. Actually, I think you were in Tennessee. I was in Tennessee. I wasn't in Jersey. You know what's funny, though, is when you said that, I didn't even question I didn't even know where I was. You said it, and I was like, yes, I definitely was in New Jersey. And then um, you were right. I was, I was not. I was in Pigeon Forge, mm. Tennessee. Do you remember, uh, well, you didn't grow up around here, so I grew up going to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, and okay. there was a time that it wasn't 30 shops that sold the exact same things. Uh, every shop was kind of its own vibe. Um, now it's just, okay, there's 38, there's like a street with 38 stores on it, and you can get slightly different variants of the exact same things in every single store. I don't know. So we did not do Gatlinburg. We were we were pretty much exclusively Pigeon Forge. And truthfully, we did not visit as much as I kind of thought we would. So we kind of hit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of you're regulars. If you're going to go hit some uh, some mini golf, you're going to go hit some go karts, mm-hmm. and you're going to probably find an arcade with lots of candy in it. I I was kind of blown away by this place mm-hmm. though, okay. and it's just kind of weird to me that you were in the middle of you're just in the middle of Tennessee, yeah. just in the middle of the Smoky Mountains, and it is. <laughs> The best way I've heard it described is it looks like the Las Vegas Strip, yeah. but for families. Yeah. Uh, I was blown away by the, the Titanic. Yeah. There's just a, a giant Titanic there for some reason. an upside down building. Yeah. That were just random things like that that were just like, what? why is this here <laughs> right now? Why does this exist? Uh, but well, yeah, we were all fans. Yeah. I, but you're, that was my very first time. I've never experienced Legend okay. Forge before. So mm-hmm. that was a totally new experience for me. Mm-hmm. Did you guys go to the arcade that has the giant lizard with his arm sticking out? No, we okay. went to the the giant castle. Okay. I would say, historically, I haven't played laser tag there in a long time, but best laser tag is the giant lizard uh-huh. sticking out of the uh, We plan on going again. Like, it yeah. was enough that we were like, we're, we're going to do this again. So, you know, I, I think I need to seek people out that have uh, good suggestions for things like that. Because, yeah. yeah, the arcade we went to was fine. Okay. It was fine. Um, my wife loves to hike, so we also went to Tennessee this summer. Um, spent a little bit of time in Pigeon Forge, but we were in the mountains. Yeah, I mean, we had a, I, mean, I mean, the Smoky Mountains are right there. Yeah, bears, um, bears everywhere. Yeah, lots of bears, lots of bears. You ride them. You don't even need cars. You can. Yeah. No, I made a, I made friends with a couple of bears. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Enough about your frolicking around states. We are talking something super important today, and that's. Uh, the the hit movie yes. the the hit movie of the probably the decade I think this is probably it for the nineties I didn't look up box office versus um, budget we'll do that unless you have those numbers 
Um, I actually do not. Okay. Ha- I know I did look them up, but I don't remember them off the top of my head. I'll pull them up because we're going back to 1999, my friends. We have a movie that's from the director of some Volvo and Nissan commercials. <laughs> and was, that's terrible. And was written by the writer of Hocus Pocus. We've got Mystery Men. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery, yeah, Mystery Men. This was a... This is... In fact, we'll, we'll probably talk about it a little bit, but this falls smack dab, I think, in the middle of, like, when comic book superhero movies were having, like, an existential crisis. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. At least one thing that I, I wanted to point out. Okay. Um, kind of points to the time frame here. But, yeah, a very interesting film. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um. We will go through and do our usual thing, but you said this is like a cavalcade of behind-the-scenes stuff that was happening, so I want to leave enough time for that. So we will track through this movie pretty quickly um, so that we can just talk about the madness that is it and everything surrounding it. First off, though, before we even get into it, just the uh, spoiler alerts, by the way, um, I don't know if I still need to do these when we come in here saying we're breaking down this movie and all the scenes within it. Spoilers will happen. So if you want to pause us right now and go back and watch 1999's Mystery Men, it is on the best streaming service, uh, Peacock. Yeah, we we planned on doing this movie actually a while yeah. back because mm-hmm. it was originally on Peacock. It was removed from Peacock. I think everyone realized that was a massive mistake <laughs> and did put it back on. So yeah, we were able to come come back and, and look at this movie. Pretty sure whoever runs Peacock listens to this podcast and they're like, oh, they were going to cover that and I took it off. When can we get those rights back? And their people said uh, immediately, no one else is trying to get the rights to 1999's Mystery Men. So we can put it up right now. Uh, but my first, just going into this movie, first three frames, I made um, a realization, I guess. And I want to see if you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Was the year 1999 just the peak, just the optimum, t- optimum time for just grimy movies just like the set looks so dirty and like they put so little thought into it everything now is just so shiny and clean i wonder if it's actually the exact opposite i wonder if it was grimy because it was too much thought <sighs> into fair. it yeah. but again this because this is where i think um the whole idea and the whole concept of a superhero movie there are obvious influences mm-hmm. in this movie and you see it immediately <laughs> yeah. like immediately this movie wanted to be a version of Batman. Yeah. Um, and I I do think that's a bit of the overthinking, yeah. the overthinking of this is what a superhero movie has to look yeah. like. So when I when that first couple, you're flying through the city in the opening, mm-hmm. and when I'm seeing that, I'm, I looked up immediately 1999 movies because I was like, I very distinctly remember just this look. And you got Mystery Men, Fight Club, The Matrix, The Mummy, Sleeping Hollow, oh, yeah. Deep Blue Sea, The Green Mile, The Sixth Sense, Boondock Saints. Just like, I don't know. They, not a lot of light. Not a lot of light. They feel, there's yeah <laughs> heavy shadow. They feel, I don't know, there's just texture to them. Where now everything seems yeah. like if you touched that movie, it would be like created sweaty. metal. No, like movies today. Like if you touch it, it oh, would just yeah. be like touching the bean in oh, Chicago. Shiny. Yeah, just smooth. Yeah. This has got some texture to it. It's it's the spleen's face, you know? <laughs> so what's like what's the comparison? Like can you think let's let's think just Marvel. Mm-hmm. What's the grimiest Marvel movie? The grime like MCU movie or Marvel? Yeah. Like what would be like the closest equivalent? I can't everything is shiny right, and clean. Yeah. Even when it's dirty, it's a pretty clean it's looking a dirty. Clean dirty. 
maybe the I mean Iron Man, the OG with a small budget, maybe the which closest is thing. Ironic that you say that because he is literally shiny metal, right? Yeah. Um, but that the sets to and me, I was th- there thinking. I, the closest I could think of was maybe one of the Thor films. Okay, would be the closest, but yeah, it's a. Uh, you're you're a hundred percent right. There is a texture to these films. Those films that you mm-hmm. just listed, absolutely have some type of grain on them. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Okay, I looked it up. We're gonna go ahead, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. Uh, Mystery Men was made on a budget of sixty eight million dollars, which. In hindsight, with this cast, okay, but yeah, it made box office total. So not opening weekend, which is what we see now. Box office total for this movie, thirty three million dollars worldwide. That's not even domestic. That is, uh, I, this goes. We've we've had a trend so far on this podcast when we've gone back to review films, which so far we've mostly just focused on films in the nineties mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit into the two thousands. So it would be nostalgia pieces for us. Every single one of them, in my mind, that movie was way bigger than it actually was. And and this is another example of like a movie I think I could bring up at a party. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance most of those people have never heard yeah. or seen this movie. But in my mind, this was this was a big deal. And we'll probably get to it a little bit later, but there is a specific reason why I thought this movie was a very big deal. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to it later. Okay. Um, I would say between some of the movies we've talked about and how their influence on our childhood worked, maybe this is why we have the taste that we have in movies now because honestly, watching back on this, I'm going to throw this out there. You may completely disagree. I think this movie was just ahead of its time and people weren't ready for it yet. I would I would mostly agree with that. I've got, I've got some general complaints yeah, yeah. on this movie. But there's a lot of elements to this movie that actually really work. Yes. It was actually a very good idea. And in today's world, like with the superhero fatigue that I joked about at the beginning, this yeah. movie plays. This movie works. You, you're 100% <laughs> right. You are 100% right. If, if a concept of this movie came out today, yeah. I think it would be way bigger because of exactly for that reason. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they made a superhero fatigue film before superheroes really became a 100%. thing. 100%. It was just getting started, and that's why I said this actually comes at a weird mm-hmm. era where superhero films were good, but they weren't hitting mm-hmm. anywhere close to where they were about to hit just, you know, five years later. So it feels like this movie just kind of fell in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the cast. We have Hank Azaria, um, Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, Kel Mitchell, Paul Rubens, Ben Stiller, Greg Kinnear, Jeffrey Rush, and Tom Waits for some reason is <laughs> in this movie. Uh, yes. But... Before Tom Waits, I mean, we're talking 90s, early 2000s. They went for this cast. They thought they had mm-hmm. something here. Uh, yeah, the, the cast from top to bottom is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't... Who, who? The only one that honestly sticks out to me is Cal Mitchell. Yeah. he He's the only one that if you look at this, and again, it's a sign of the times. Right. It was 1999, yep. you know, peak Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. So it made sense why he was there, but he is the only one in this cast that is... is you can obviously look at this and say, why is Jeffrey Rush here? Um, How dare you? But, okay, but fine. But Jeffrey Rush is a good actor. Yes. So I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but I'm just saying, why are you in a movie with Paul Rubens? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, why is that happening right yeah. now? Um, so, but outside of that, I mean, really, it's it's a, it's a great cast mm-hmm. from top to bottom. All right, let's get into it. So you've already, okay. you've already mentioned this, but uh, my first note is, as the movie opens, we get our first glimpse 
of Champion City, which lands somewhere precisely in between Tim Burton's and Joel Schumacher's Gotham's. <laughs> it's like the perfect in between. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a this is this is Gotham City. <laughs> like that's what that is. Uh, um, and I think that's I mean that's probably the the whole yeah. point. Yeah, that's the play on it. And there's a Superman play in a bit, but we'll cover that as well. Uh, the city has a lot of just statues and homages to their hero, Captain Amazing. We enter into what I can only guess is like a prom at a retirement home. I don't know what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Artie Lang himself breaks in and starts to steal toupees, dentures, and prosthetic limbs. That's what he's there for. Yep. Take all the jewelry. Great start to the movie. Yeah. This is a great <laughs> intro. I love it. So grimy. Uh, he's thwarted. Yeah. Well, he's somewhat thwarted by three of the lamest heroes ever committed to film. The Shoveler, Blue Raja, and his name is just Furious. <laughs> yeah, I remembered. I thought he had a different name. I did too. I, I thought his, I thought he had like a, it was a stupid name, like Mr. Mean or something yeah. like that. But Furious I had. is pretty dumb. Yeah, I mean it's pretty dumb it's too. But I, I thought there was more to it. Yeah, yeah, I thought because yeah, it doesn't sound like a like a, a superhero right. name. I thought he had a more a superhero mm-hmm. name. Oh man, as the three would be heroes just get destroyed by Artie Lang's men. Greg Kinnear himself saves the day. Um, totally forgot he was in this movie. Yeah. I remembered that. I remember that obviously that there was a hero in the movie. Yeah. I just didn't know it was him. Yeah, this gave me, and I know it came after, uh, but I guess I've seen it more recent because I probably watched them both when they came out. But this gave me Megamind vibes. Oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. Captain and Amazing to whatever Brad Pitt's character's name is in that. A hundred percent. Kind of schmarmy, yeah. over the top kind of superhero mm-hmm. look. Yeah. Um, Tom Waits is here just smoozing some old ladies because he's weird. Um, one thing, though, I really enjoyed, and it's kind of the whole basis of Captain Captain Amazing's um, shtick, is that he is sponsored. And wouldn't that be, if superheroes were real, like a Pepsi sponsorship is 100% what they would have on there. It, it's, why, it's why I agree with you that I think this movie hits way more today, which is kind of crazy to think in 1999, they kind of understood. The, that's a much more realistic look. Yeah. Of what would happen to a superhero, which would just be emblazoned mm, with oil. just tons of sponsorships. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's a way more accurate look at it. So, you, I mean, you're 100% right. Yeah, I love it. And the whole thing comes down to Captain Amazing has done such a great job at cleaning up the streets. There's no big villains left. Interest in his work is feigning. So he's starting to lose. I think Pepsi is the one they mentioned. He's starting to lose his yep. sponsorships. Um, yeah. Gr- brilliant setup for how this will play out. Brilliant setup for how we're getting the villain. That's already established. You don't have to establish, like, do the whole backstory of creating a villain here. Um, we can just pace on. Um, Captain Amazing decides to free a villain named Casanova Frankenstein to create some interest in his work, keep his sponsorships. And I understand the writers just shoved two classic literature names together with Casanova and Frankenstein, uh, but it's a fantastic name for that character. I, thank you. <laughs> Yes, I, I thought the same thing, too. I thought Casanova Frankenstein is an outstanding name for a villain. Yes. Uh, I don't know why. I just, I, I was like, I, am, I, am I the weird one here? Is no. that actually really just them being stupid? It's actually great. It's, it's great. The best villain name, I think, that I've heard in a long time, Casanova Frankenstein. No, I love it. Uh, Big Frank himself gets paroled because he has Harley Quinned his psychiatrist, um, and now she's his little sidekick. And Lance, was that his name? Captain Amazing's secret identity. Yeah. Um, yes, Lance. How do you remember? Oh, I guess you just recently watched this. I, I watched this like two weeks recently ago. Recently finished it. Yeah, it took me a week. Yes. Because I watch it in small chunks. Uh, but they do at the end mention his name again. 
But yeah, um, he gets some Captain Amazing influence and the board paroles Casanova Frankenstein. And may I just say, you've already mentioned him in a, uh, what I would say, derogatory manner, but I was eight years old when this movie came out and I watched it when it came out. Why? Who's to say? Because I was really into Batman. Apparently one of 15 people that watched <laughs> right. it. So. I was really into Batman. This had a Batman vibe. That's probably why I was there. Um, four years later, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl would come out with Jeffrey Rush playing Barbosa. Maybe I'm... All right. Can, can, just to clarify yeah. here, Chaz, again, I am not disparaging Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> my, my whole point was, to me... Like, when you're talking about seriousness of acting, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Rush falls pretty high. Oh, there. I see what you're saying. You do, bring up a good, you do bring up a very good point that, like, all right, he does show up in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a good point. So maybe this was the start of yeah. him just taking lower roles. He's just somebody that's, like, to me, he's, like, top-tier he's, thespian he's actor. actor. Yeah, he's a real... He is an actor, <laughs> okay? So he's not doing any of this. Stuff. That's you. what's funny to yeah. me is that he's a guy that's, like, a, what are you doing here, man? Like... <laughs> Are you falling on hard times? <laughs> Why are you on Mystery Men right now? Um, that's what I meant. Okay, gotcha. That's what was weird. He was the opposite of Kel Mitchell. Yeah. Two spectators. Very okay. fair. Okay. Um, All right. All right. Good. Yeah, Glad I could clear that up. Loving some orange soda. Um, exactly. <laughs> is it just nostalgia? I need third-party input here. Is it just nostalgia? Or, because these Mystery Men and Black Pearl were core childhood for me, mm-hmm. is Jeffrey Rush just... Perfect at chewing scenery as a villain. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, people, I, 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 I think he's just he's like he's not half doing right. it. Oh no, he's, he's into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, people talk about how you know Johnny Depp is Jack Sparrow. Go back and yeah. watch those movies and tell me Jeffrey Rush is not Barbosa. He is so into that yeah. role. <laughs> yes, and that's what I mean. That's what I mean. He's actually top tier actor. Yeah. He is up there. As just very good at it, and that's why seeing him in these roles that are probably lesser for him, but he still kills. Yeah, him. he's still he's still fully involved. So uh, yeah, you're 100 percent right. He does. He absolutely dominates as a villain. The three would be heroes. I'm going to go ahead and start calling them the Mystery Men because it's just easy. Even though they yeah. literally uh, don't get that name until the last sentence of the movie. Yes, <laughs> but that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just for the sake of time. Um, they argue that they need a publicist. If uh, There we go. If the billionaire Lance Hunt is Captain Amazing, um, but he, oh, pardon me, they argue that they need a publicist and if the billionaire Lance Hunt is Captain Amazing, but it can't be because Lance wears glasses and Captain, Am- Captain yep. Amazing does not wear glasses. Top tier yes. joke. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's very good. And I love that it comes up later on as well yes. as they're trying to, <laughs> to figure that out. I do love that. Call back. Um, one of my favorite, I mean, this is obviously a joke with Superman. Clark can't wear his glasses. Superman mm-hmm. doesn't. One of my favorite things is early on when Man of Steel was uh, happening and Suicide Squad was also happening. Um, I don't know. They were both at Comic-Con together, both of those casts. And apparently yeah. Henry Cavill went up to um, Will Smith with glasses on and Will Smith didn't recognize Henry Cavill and everybody's like oh see it's true you put on the glasses <laughs> it works and I listened to one person who just said or you know it's Henry Cavill and we're very early in his career and yes. Will Smith just doesn't know who Henry Cavill is <laughs> Henry Cavill does kind of like it's very easy to outside of the fact that he's like a massive human being yeah. and he's, he's a handsome looking man but he does kind of look just like a dude yeah, he looks very British man yes <laughs> yeah so it's uh, I could see that uh, Furious follows two disco villains, which 
Eddie Izzard, is that his name? The commitment yep. that he put into his character as well. He was full into it in a very different way than Gregory Rush. Uh, or Jeffrey yeah. Rush, pardon me. Jeffrey Sorry. Rush. Um, but he was he was in it for what it was worth. He was. Um, yeah. Blue Raja. I can't say anybody half did no. it here. Like, everybody looked like they were, were, were having fun, which when we get to my segment, yeah. we'll see how much fun they actually were having. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, everybody was at least committed yes. to this. The actors, the crew that did the sets, the writing, the directing, I mean, it's Volvo and Nissan commercial. I can't say anything really stood out to me in the directing um, yeah. or the cinematography, but yeah, they went all in for this movie on that $68 million. Um, Blue Raja and the Shoveler, we get a little bit of their background story. Shoveler's wife just wants him to hang up his, his son's catcher's vest <laughs> that yeah, they share. Um, and Blue Raja... <laughs> Lives at home with his mom. Casanova blows up the insane asylum and captures Captain Amazing. That was a pretty good scene of the you know me and I know you, do you? Because now yeah. you're my prisoner. Um, but again, we're rolling through this quick. The mystery men break into Casanova's house to save Captain Amazing, but they are beat savagely by the disco boys and decide we need to recruit. And this recruiting scene is really like, where I think the superhero fatigue really shined for me. Like, oh, everyone's a freaking superhero. Look how many people are here. I'm just tired of yeah. this. It's just a tack-on type deal. Um, we get some great cameos. Dane Cook is in this movie. Yeah. Um, Dane Cook shows up as the waffler and explains that he has yep. the exact same powers as Michael Scott's breakfast routine. He can burn himself on a George Foreman group. Yep. Um, yep. Doug Jones is in this as Pencilhead. Uh, yes, and a uh, important note. Yeah. If you noticed on him, he has a PM. Okay. His name was not supposed to be Pencil, it was supposed to be Pencil, Pencil Man, Man, and they just didn't change the costume. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so the costume says PM for Pencil Man, and he calls himself Pencil Head. So. Fantastic. Um, I don't know if that counts as a goof. Yeah. To me, it almost seems more perfect yeah, to like a character that's a, a failure, just makes a name and then realizes he likes pencil head better, <laughs> but he keeps the costume. So it actually kind of works. It works 100% in this movie. Um, and of course, Doug Jones is a superhero in the Hellboy series. He's Abe Sapien. Mm -hmm. um, yep. The team adds Invisible Boy, the Spleen, and the Bowler. If you had to pick a yes. weak link in this team, who would you pick? In Invisible Boy is the, the weakest link. Okay. Um, but, Chaz, this scene alone yeah. is the reason why I thought this movie was massive. Do you know why? Because Dane Cook was in it. Uh, no, in 1999, I don't, I don't think Dane, Dane Cook was a name. <laughs> no, he wasn't. I don't think he was a there name. There are a lot of people who are not a name, who are not names yet. This, like, was yeah. a springboard, I guess, because we're going to talk about some people that, I'm like, why are you in this movie later on? It's a... It's a very, very interesting film, but why this scene, and again, this is now two movies yeah. that we have featured that has a specific song oh, yes, attached yes, yes. to it. I have that in here. Where if, is it? So, so Smash Mouth's All-Star yes. plays during this. Now, this was the music video to was Smash it? Mouth's All-Star. Yes. Okay. So in my mind, Smash Mouth's All-Star was... A gargantuan song. Yeah. I, I, in again, in my child <laughs> brain, this was the first time I saw a, a song go like supersonic yeah. for me. Like that I recognized and recognized it was everywhere. And obviously it shows up in Shrek later on. That was the other Just film a year later. we've already featured here. But this, also, I was thinking this too. Man, this was a dying breed here too. When movies had a song and they were featured in their music video. Yep. Like, 
this was hot during this time. Obviously, during the time of MTV, this was a very big deal to have your movie attached to a song. So here it is in my brain, a hyper-popular mega song mm -hmm. specifically attached to Mystery mm -hmm. Men. And I think this is why in my brain, this is the start yeah. of it. Well, Mystery Men is clearly the biggest <laughs> movie that's ever existed because the biggest song that ever existed was featured there. So, um, you know, to me, I will never... Never not connect these two Interesting. things. Interesting. Smash Mouth All-Star and Mystery Men are the same thing. So right? to you, this is the equivalent of, for me, and they say that a hero and Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's, it. That's another great tie-in right there. Yes. Because uh, you can't hear yeah. that song and not think it's of Spider-Man. Spider you, yeah. you, you connect those two. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's where this one kicks in here. Yeah. I also love um, the best hero in this mix we are introduced to, and that is the bowler. Yes. I think the bowler is obviously the most effective. Um, this, seeing this again, sparked this thing for Janine Garofalo. Mm -hmm. Um, I, again, as a child, because this movie was so big to me, um, Janine Garofalo was on the up mm -hmm. and up to me. Um, what's great is watching this is I like her in this role. I think she's actually awesome. I also wonder why did she not get bigger after this? Yeah. But then I also realized this isn't even my favorite film. With no, her. Wet Hot American my Summer. My all time, Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer, she's the best in that yeah. movie. So I was like, this isn't even her best. And I was like, was she actually like a multi-tooled actress? Right. Like she could do action, she could do comedy, mm -hmm. she probably could pull off some some drama. Like, what happened to her? Yeah. Why did she not blow well, up? I would say she's the most dramatic-based person in this movie, with her yeah. background and how why she's a superhero and her talking to a bowling ball. Um, yeah, but I think she nails some of the comedic timing. Yeah. Like, to to me, she fits in perfectly. I was like, what? Why? Why did she not? Become more of a thing. That's that's interesting to me. No, no, because it's not even like some people. You, I, she gives off the vibe of okay, like a Tina Fey. She likes to write, so she's probably writing a lot yeah. more than she's in. That's not true. She's written yeah. eleven projects. She's yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. Um, we did yeah. talk when we did the Shrek breakdown that she was one of the people approached for Fiona, but and I remember there being like a a reason she didn't get it that we discussed from her point of view that she said, and we were both like, oh snap. I don't remember what that was. Um, maybe, maybe I'll go yeah, back and listen to our Shrek episode, just like you should, listener. Um, but yeah, where is she? She's in Aquafina is Norma from Queens, The Apology, Care Bears. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, it's not that she doesn't exist. I mean, she practically doesn't exist mm -hmm. nowadays. I haven't seen her really in a whole lot at all. Right. But um, there was this section of time in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it seems like she she was getting traction, yeah. and then that was just kind of it. Dang, hit her stride, and then what happened? Um, let's see here. The team has a scuffle with Casanova, and Ben Stiller kind of flails around the hood of a car. And at this point, they, they've kind of cracked on Kel Mitchell for not having a power, and I'm really like, what is this man's power? <laughs> is it just yeah. like angry white man? <laughs> yeah. Which also plays well today, so... I don't understand what his uh, what his deal is, and then the Sphinx joins the team, and Ben Stiller is demoted as the leader, decides to go yeah. off on his own. Um, what is his name? It's like Roy or something like that. I should have taken note of that. Yeah, it was Roy. Roy. Man, <laughs> you remember all these names? I, yeah, it was Roy. Um, we so here it is in my my notes. We get a training montage with a pre Shrek smash smash mouth. Um, yeah, Furious is just I'm done. I'm out. He bails, and then when he comes back later um and he's like um so have you seen my address book i also thought that was pretty great of <laughs> that was a pretty good gag the the breakup yeah. kind of scene there 
I love that you're skipping over the fact that there is a love interest in this film. Uh, Utterly pointless. <laughs> She's it, pivotal to the end of was, the movie for no reason. This is part of one of my issues with this film. Well, one, it's a pretty formulaic plot yes. line that it plays yeah. out. But two, it it's slower than it needs to be at points. Oh, yes. And it really extends the movie in points where it's just like, you don't, you don't need to do any of that. Yeah. Like, just you can just move this this movie yeah. um, so where it just doesn't sometimes they give ben stiller's character a a love interest so that at the end he can unleash yeah. his furious um yeah you could have absolutely done that with one of like get the shoveler or blue raja make him kidnap one of them you have set up a relationship between these three guys since the beginning of the movie this girl you put in two scenes for 30 seconds and now that's the that's the person he connects with the most no, get the shoveler yeah. up there. Ben Stiller knows this man's wife and children, and he, that yeah. unleashes the fury. Um, so yeah, I absolutely skipped over the love, <laughs> love yeah. interest plot point that is very shoehorned in. Um, at the end of this movie, the back third just gets wild. The team goes to visit Tom Waits. I did not catch his name. I hope it's just Tom Waits. Um, at an abandoned amusement park that he lives in for some reason and makes non-lethal weapons. Furious comes back, and Casanova assembles a roundtable of evil. Can you name any of the people? I, I pulled two names of people sitting around that table that are, I think, pre-famed at this point. Like, can I name any of the people there or the names of their groups? No, like the actual people sitting at the table that's playing the characters. Mm, no, not, not off the top so of So you did not catch who is the head of the frat boys? No. Uh, director Michael Bay of Transformers <laughs> was the head of the frat boys. Um, I love and it. the head of the DJs was CeeLo Green. I didn't catch that either. <laughs> I know that one of the, the do-gooders or the do-goodies yeah. or whatever they were called, they're, they're an actual rap yeah. group. Yeah. Um, so Was that the one CeeLo Green, Green was in? Yes. So oh, okay. this was 1998. Uh, or pardon me, this was 1999. Let's see when Michael Bay, director. I'm looking at producer. So, I mean, he would have had Bad Boys at that point. Director, previous 58. Um, he would have had quite a bit, actually. A lot of music videos. Yeah, he wasn't nobody. Yeah. Yeah. whole lot of music videos. Man, this dude worked for Sticks okay. for a long time. This, Armageddon? Yep, this might make sense then. The, the music video? Yeah. Um, because uh, the director, Kinka, yeah. who directed this film, was a music video yes. guy. So I wonder if that's where they know and each other. And Nissan and Volvo. <laughs> um, yeah. Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon. Pearl Harbor. No, yeah. Pearl Harbor was what he did after this. So yeah, he was a well-established. He was massive. And he had one, one line in this movie, Mystery Men, that no one watched. This should be the pinnacle of his career. Um, the mystery men come in to free Captain Amazing, and while arguing, I think do the best thing of this movie. Like, if one thing that could make or break this movie is what happens in this moment. They could free him, and he could continue to be a tool, and then this could just be another movie that's resigned to my childhood. But I very vividly have childhood memories of watching this man, because they flip the wrong switch, just get obliterated. Yeah. And they accidentally yeah. kill the hero. I I I love that scene. It's a very yes, good scene. Um, them kind of arguing back and forth, going back and forth. Um, and isn't that the scene where the shoveler is kind of like 
testing what he looks like with glasses yes. on. This is where he asks him, are you Lance? And he says, yes, of course I'm yeah. Lance. No, I'm just kidding. And he's, yeah, he's yeah. there being like, no help. <laughs> like Greg Kinnear is pretty, pretty good yes. at this too. Like I think his kind of comedic back and forth with him and that is actually pretty funny. So that's, to me, it's a very good But scene. at the same time, like the bowler's trying to help him and he's just sitting there yelling, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. Yeah. And then he dies and <laughs> you're kind of like, all right. I'm not mad about that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they're on their own at this point. The team rallies to make one final stand against Casanova, the Disco Boys, and Michael Bay, um, who would go on to be a villain in, in his own right. Uh, yeah. Ruining Transformers for me. Um, but that wasn't a deep part of my childhood. Mystery Men was. So that does you a lot about who I am as a person. There you go. The final battle ensues, and just when all hope seems lost, the Mystery Men pull together to defeat Casanova Frankenstein, and save the city with a group hug. Yeah, so this is, when I talk about pacing, yes. that was one of the things that's frustrating, right? They go to Casanova Frankenstein's, mm-hmm. they get the crap kicked out of them. They go back, well, they they then have to do a montage. Yeah, they then montage. go back, and they kill the hero, they leave again. Yeah. And now they're really defeated again, and then they regroup, and then they go and do it again. And it's and like, it's just, okay, yeah. like... Some of this probably should have been combined into yes. kind of one scene. You didn't need to constantly keep doing this kind of like regrouping. Yep. Um, but I mean, it's just again, it's not it's not a bad movie. No. Like I don't think it's a, a bad movie. I, I think critically, it landed somewhere around sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which fine. I, I get that. It's not like I don't think that that's like a fair rating. I could see a lot of people just watching this and saying this was just stupid, mm-hmm. and I think you would you would totally be be fine in, in saying that. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot of mist. I, I thought that's that vehicle they yes. drive because I distinctly remember the look of that armored vehicle they drive. I thought that was way bigger in this movie. Thought that I had. And I was, it's literally yeah, dead. Yeah, it's just mentioned once and then twelve seconds at the end of the movie. I am pretty sure I had that as a toy. That vehicle. That'd be a cool yeah. toy. That's why I think I, I remember please. it because it was like almost like a train. All right. You have to Google this right now. Did they really make Mystery Men toys? Maybe it wasn't, and it was something like that, and I just thought it was that. That looked like it, but now I'm kind of curious if Mystery Men toys existed, because at this point, again, I think every movie we've, yeah. we've talked about has, has had a toy yep. attached to it. Um, So even going back to Warriors of Virtue, those had just, oh, no, uh, Surf Ninjas didn't have oh, any toys man, attached to it. I would have bought one. Um... So do you see the They absolutely the made toys. I don't see the vehicle as a toy. So maybe I just had something that looked kind of like that and I that thought it was from Mr. Man. But there is I mean a I, Mr. Furious action. I get I'm, I'm I'm 36 years old, but I mean even I look at that thing and be like that'd be an awesome toy. Right? So uh, if it wasn't a toy that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, they made action figures. Universal Studios made action figures, so Yeah. You can get one. But yeah, there's, there's, it's just funny to me, again, these kind of like PG-13 movies that uh, had toys. It was more funny to me that there were so many rated R movies that had, had toys. Um, but it does make you wonder if Mystery Men was, they were hoping would be a franchise. I think so. I mean, even the end of it's kind of like, we'll see what happens next with yeah. these Mystery yeah. Men roll credits. Yeah. I did not stick around to see uh, if there was an after credit scene. So maybe, there was no after credit. Maybe scene. Samuel Jackson comes out of the grimy shadows. That was not invent- <laughs> that was not invented yet. That was not invented yet. All right, so um, let's say one to five spleens. What are you giving this mm-hmm. movie? Which, uh, by the way, you kind of just go over that. Paul Rubens is awesome. In this Paul movie Rubens too. is great. I think the spleen, the spleen, it might be one of my favorite characters. Which is he's ultimately just a fart joke. Yeah, he is a fart. But, joke. but 
And he's actually got some pretty decent... Oh, man. All right. Speaking of the spleen, speaking of this movie being long mm-hmm. in certain sections, I can, right off the bat, there's an immediate scene that happens in, towards the end of this movie that I'm like, why did this exist? And why did that, like, that took probably a solid three minutes out mm-hmm. of it. And that is the spleen, and I believe Invisible Boy, mm-hmm. outside, and then the spleen skunk. is getting humped by a skunk. Yeah. But you could that's just that. the scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? It felt to me like they were trying to it, establish, they were partnering them off, right? So they were trying to establish a connection yeah. with the spleen and the Invisible Boy, which is really important. If you're making a TV show, <laughs> this is a movie that's going to end in 10 minutes. You don't need this. It was so thrown together. I was convinced, oh, this is just a lead in to something else that's about to happen. You know, the skunk's going to mess them up and it's going to ruin the, the plan or yeah. something like that. No. It just just it's happens. Just, yeah. just the scene. Just a skunk um, going to town on a man's leg at sunset. That's all that is. There, there's just there's just a lot of moments like that. Okay, so for me, out of uh, one out of five spleens, this is a this is a three spleen. Uh, yeah, I was to gonna me. say three and a half. Yeah, yeah, we're right there. It's totally it's totally solid. Mm-hmm. It has some some decent humor. Good to kind of turn your brain off on there. Do not be expect to be blown away. And it's slightly a little long, mm-hmm. but outside of that, it's actually uh, it's pretty good. All right, Darren. I don't hate it. Fill us in on what in the world was happening during the making of okay. this Okay, so uh, as I had, had mentioned to you and as you've already alluded to here, I always like, especially these kind of older films, to look at the trivia section on IMDb. And there's a lot of, like this had a bunch, there's a lot of like nonsense in there. Mm-hmm. But there were some like nuggets to me that were really kind of interesting. Uh, we had mentioned Janine Garofalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently they approached her to play the bowler and she was not into okay. it. Okay. But she changes her mind when two actors join on. And then can she's I, like, okay, I'm in. Can I I'm guess in. them? I do want you to guess them. I hope one is Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> it is Jeffrey Rush is one. Oh, really? So she okay. heard him. Was, I think she was probably thinking. Yeah. Prestige. <laughs> oh, um, this is a serious it's film. It's going Hank Azaria. Not- we have not really mentioned this actor yet. But also, again, a killer actor. William H. Really? Macy. I got it? Uh, yes, those, those were the two. Interest. Uh, why? I, Do we know? I, it, it doesn't really okay. say why. But again, I'm going to guess that she probably looked at the cast and said, I'm, I'm a hard out. This might also answer our question, which we were wondering, what happened to Janine Garofalo? Yeah. And as you've already alluded to, and apparently we've talked to at one point, she doesn't end up doing Shrek mm-hmm. for some reason. I wonder if she just ends up becoming really picky. Yeah. And that's actually what ends up kind of pushing her out, is she just ends up be- becoming somebody that's super picky, and that's kind of it. Yeah. But... Hmm. She sees two actors <laughs> showing up on the project, and she's like, okay, this will minus out Kel Mitchell over here. Yeah. I'm in. Because, um, I mean... And she ended up doing it yeah, on. you got Fargo and Boogie Nights with William H. Macy, but Ben Stiller, 99, yep. he's not been in much, right? Uh, the, the Meet the Fokker films and stuff like that, Meet the Parents, those, I think those, those were, were probably all out at that time, really? right? Really? I thought those were like early 2000s. They might I'll be. I'll look it up while, See? while you fill us in on more. Well, well, as it's funny that you mention Ben Stiller here because Ben Stiller was actually set to direct this film. Really? He do, he doesn't end up directing it because he realized that the scope of the project was really large. Yeah. So his directing career, I know he's directed a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that sticks out to me anytime I think of him directing films is Walter Mitty. Yeah, which is a um, lot later. Which is a, a lot later. I'm sure he's probably directed some things between then, but okay, fine. 
this it's funny to think of this movie as large, um, but I guess that is a large buzz, budget. So I guess that that kind of makes sense there. Um, but yeah, this could have been a uh, Ben Stiller directed film. So he would have been coming off of directing The Cable Guy. Um, okay. And in between The Cable Guy, which was '96, and Walter Mitty, which is 2013, he did Zoolander and Tropic Thunder. So those are large scale. Okay. So here's the thing: Ben Stiller should just be doing comedies. Yeah. Like he should just be directing comedies for sure. Because all of those are good in their own way. However, have you watched Severance? Uh, I have watched Severance. Not a comedy. Ben Stiller, director. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I like Severance. I don't love Severance. Mm-hmm. I think Severance is doing too many weird things for the sake of weird, yeah. but they're never going to be able to explain them. And I'm, so I'm a little bit on the outs on some of that. Um, but also, uh, at the end of the first season, that is one of the best mm-hmm. end of season episodes I think I've ever seen. So, um, But yes. So all that, all that to say, he did not direct this film. But I wonder... Looking been? at the pedigree of comedies, if he did direct this film, does it actually end up being more funny? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, just judging off of that. So, uh, going to the actual director here, uh, Hank Azaria did an interview in 2011 with the AV Club, mm-hmm. which I love that they asked about Mystery Men in that. Fantastic. Um, but things were were just not good on set. Things were not Yikes. good. So, the actual director, is his last name's Kinka. Yes. Uh, again, he does music videos. Mm-hmm. But he declared, and I quote, I'm going back to commercials when this is done. I've had enough. I'd much rather do cool little one-minute shorts than I make a deal with all this nonsense uh, that I make than I, than, all, than I am dealing with all this nonsense. Whatever. He uh, basically hated it. Yeah. It sounded like it was complete chaos on there and uh, wanted to go back to making commercials, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Gotta get that Nissan money. Volvo. And uh, he has pretty much this was it. Yeah. If you actually look yep. at his IMTV... <laughs> This was kind of it, because when I looked at the name, I was like, I don't recognize this name. I clicked on it, and I'm like, oh, okay, you've done nothing. Um, A lot of commercials, a lot of music videos, so that was it. Um, Also, in this interview there, Hank Azaria uh, said that everybody was constantly arguing Mm. over the comedic tone of the film. Do you think, do you feel like the comedic tone is inconsistent in this film? Mm. I would say it's pretty consistent. Uh, Yeah, like there's some outliers that... I would say maybe just don't, it didn't seem like they were fully, I don't want to say in on the comedic tone, they just weren't there. Like with Kel Mitchell, but his character's not, you know? I would say consistently no. through through line, it's, yeah, the comedic tone is the same. I would say so too. I don't think the movie ever once really takes itself too seriously, yeah. but it makes me wonder. I don't know this. They don't really say exactly, but you you, you got to consider there is some pedigree mm-hmm. on this Yeah. Thing. So it does make me wonder if there is a conflict between maybe some serious tones that some people want to take and then to some comedic roles Mm -hmm. that others want to take here. Um, It is a mix of a cast there, so you can maybe see where that's the case. But I would say I I don't think that it shows through. I think that it felt like it was trying to be goofy, lighthearted, and funny, and it it nails that. Yeah, and even the you talk about pedigree on set, I would say, again, I would have to look at his IMDb, Greg Kinnear is probably somewhat of like... Uh, oh, this guy's probably not going to get in on the comedy side of things at this point in his career, 99. Um, Hmm. Jeffrey Rush, the same. Greg Kinnear is very funny in this, just being a total jerk. And Jeffrey Rush attacks somebody with his pinky nail, hissing like a cat. I mean, he was committed. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Eddie Izzard, very committed to the disco boy lifestyle. Yeah, the, the pedigree seems to be 
sometimes more in on it than like a Ben Stiller. <laughs> it is very funny you say that. I'm going to skip ahead to one of these because okay. you're hitting on the next part of it. According to Ben Stiller in an interview on The Late Show with David Letterman, so this was... No, that doesn't even make sense. Um, but he and Greg Kinnear got in a heated argument on set, and afterwards, Stiller tried to get released from the film. So he wanted out. Yeah. So whatever happened there, so it makes you wonder. I like wow. that you got to point that out, that you feel like Kinnear <laughs> actually understood the comedic side more than Ben Stiller yeah. did there. I wonder what those arguments are where those two get into it. Because Kinnear's not in the movie a ton. Right. So... And scenes that he does specifically with Ben Stiller are even more limited. Yeah. So, yeah, it's at the very beginning of the film and then when they kill him. So it's like, what was happening in those moments that they could have been arguing? I can't figure that out. And if Kinnear is taking the, this needs to be more slapstick, maybe it's best that Ben Stiller didn't direct this. Maybe this is like, maybe. this is my V for Vendetta. <laughs> I, I mean, it does. But think about it, though. Think, like, he goes, Ben Stiller goes on to make to me, mm-hmm. one of the best comedies made in, a, like, forever, which is Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. So I would say if you're just judging on comedic tone, mm-hmm. these are very similar films. Yes. Obviously, ones are, and it's going for much heavier humor where the other one isn't. Right. But tonal-wise, yes. very similar. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, if – I think Stiller, I think Stiller likes yeah. this tone. It, to me, it must have been Kinnear. Maybe Kinnear's but just... But it's also funny that Stiller wanted to walk yeah. away from it. Like, come on. Maybe Kinnear's just that actor that's like, this is, I hate this, but I'm, I'm signed up for it. So when that camera's rolling, yeah. I'm committed. Or... I'm committed because... Maybe his character, maybe he was in such a bad mood that his character's just a jerk in that next level that's of jerk true. because he just was irritated the whole time. You did highlight that. You did highlight that Kinnear really leaned into being a jerk. Hey, maybe there was some, some real life yeah. pain going on back there that was leading to that. So... Uh, I do think that was that was kind of interesting. Um, and Chaz, we've 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 mentioned multiple times. I mean, this movie doesn't do a very good job of even disguising yeah. it. But uh, this movie feels like a Batman oh, film. Yeah. Uh, not only from that intro, but that intro fight mm-hmm. with the red mm-hmm. eyes. That whole thing just has you know. If if you saw Mister Freeze busting through the door doing 100%. that, you'd be like, yes, yeah. this we're watching Batman right now. I, well, yeah, that would make sense because uh, there are multiple sets used in this movie that were used on Batman Forever. Okay. So they reuse those sets for this. It did make me wonder which ones. I would guess yeah. some of the streets. Some of the streets that... And the streets look like Gotham. I'm telling you, that old folks prom thing, that, that has to yes. be a Schumacher set. Everything about yeah. it. Everything about that felt felt like it. So um, that would that would make sense. It, it actually uses some of those sets. So uh, the, the last piece that I have here and I love that you kind of touched on all these things so it just makes this so much easier for me but we talked about Dan Cook Um, so when they invited him to audition for the character the waffle Mm -hmm. they told him to just kind of wear whatever Uh, so he showed up with a waffle iron and griddle marks on his shirt apparently Ben Stiller did not like this as well Um, and asked him what are you doing you're supposed to waffle like you can't make a decision (laughs) So Dane Cook read that as, That's amazing. as literal waffles, <laughs> where what they intended was he just couldn't make up his mind. That's why they told him to wear whatever, yeah. um, because the idea was he, he couldn't, couldn't make a decision decide. as to yeah. what his character was supposed to be. So I thought that was actually very funny to me that he read that in a literal sense. Yes. Um, I would have too, though. I mean, if, you give me that name, I'm showing up with a waffle. Yeah, if you say the waffler, wear whatever. 
And he's like, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, yes, that was a, that was actually just a funny accident that ends up kind of falling in there, uh. which is also kind of funny to me. Like, both are actually pretty good gags. Mm-hmm. Like, the waffler itself makes sense just because, look at all the cast of characters that are there. Right. But also, somebody that can't make their mind up as to what their superhero yeah. is is also a pretty good gag as yeah, well. It is. So, both of those would have worked in there, but I did like that you mentioned uh, Dane Cook in there. <laughs> um, because that was a happy accident. Yeah, Dane Cook as the waffler oh. versus Michael Bay's frat boy. Yeah, yeah. But that is uh, that is my interesting uh, background facts and trivia from Mystery Man. All right, well, like we said, streaming, I mean, we've ruined it for you, but you still need to get your eyes on this movie. Um, streaming on Peacock, not a sponsor, but man, one day, Aaron, one day we'll wear them down. One day. Uh, um Maybe we'll. They need us. Feel, they need us. Say, right maybe now. we'll become a sponsor of them. And when you pause, just our, yeah. <laughs> our podcast logo will show up. Uh, but I love it. For now, that's all I got. See ya. <laughs>